Hola. Hello. How are you today? I'm all right. Yeah, amen. <laughs> that is Jordan Drennan. And that is Colin Klingler. And you're watching The Chaotic, Chaotic Goodness. Goodness. The podcast where we give you amateur advice. In the most chaotic way. We did it right for the first time in literally years. <laughs> we keep screwing up our intro and then we don't realize it until we go back and listen to it. Yep. But hey, we did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Chaos. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like you. You're right. <laughs> I don't even so, deny it. What's going on in your life? <laughs> I thought when you said, just like you, you're going to lead into what happened to me last night. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay. So I got invited out to trivia night with some of my friends at a restaurant in downtown Columbus. And if you know Columbus, Everywhere you go, there is street parking, but you have to pay for it. So you have to be really smart if you don't want to pay for parking. And I thought I was being really smart because I found a parking lot just around the corner from the restaurant that was like mostly empty. So I pull in and I see this sign that says private lot, unauthorized vehicles would be towed. The other thing about Columbus is there are a lot of parking lots that are like this, that have that sign up. It's even up in my own parking lot where I live. And I can promise you that there have been two vehicles parked around my car for, well, one has only been there a few weeks, but the other one's been there for like a month at least now. And nothing has been done about it. (laughs) So I figured it would be the same situation nothing would be done about it. I was in the restaurant for like three hours doing trivia night and I come back and my car is gone. (laughs) And I instantly start panicking and I call my friend back. Hey, my car is gone. I don't know what to do. And she was like, we'll meet you back at the restaurant and we'll figure it out. I look back at the sign and I see a phone number to call. So I call it. I was like, hi, my car is gone. <laughs> and they were like, um, what's the make and model? And I was like, well, don't mind me, I'm panicking, but it's a Mercury Montego. And they're like, oh yeah, it's at this place. Just try to get it before 2 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, what are the fees on that? And they told me the fees, which was pretty expensive. Yeah, it was pretty expensive. So I was like, great. I can't afford that. (laughs) I'm broke, literally. So I go back to the restaurant where my friends are. And I'm like, hi. So I know where it is. I can't afford it. So they were like, call your parents. And I was like, I don't know what my parents are going to do. Because they can't get money to me quickly. So I called my cousin that lives at the door down from me. And so she she was almost going to bed. She told me after she got there, she was almost about to get in bed when I called her in a panic saying, hi, I need help. My car is gone and I can't afford to get it back. (laughs) (laughs) 
thank God she was really willing and really nice to come 20 minutes to downtown Columbus and pay like $86, which was just a little over half of what I had to pay in total for to get my car back. But you got that car back. Oh, God. And that was, I didn't want that. <laughs> I didn't wish that upon myself. And it was funny because I was telling Colin earlier, like, not that I don't like the friends that I went with, but I was just kind of like not in the mood to go out that day. And so I was kind of like, no, I don't think I'm going to go. And like at the last minute, I convinced myself otherwise and went. And then this happened. You know, I wish I had something to say. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I think if that would have happened to me, I think I automatically would have assumed somebody stole it. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I'm never going to get it back. And I think I would have just taken it (laughs) and I walked home. Yes. Well, because like, I literally parked right in front of the sign that said private (laughs) towing. So that's what I assumed was the first thing that happened. Had I called them up and they'd been like, no, we don't have that. Then I really would have started to panic because that means it was stolen. Yeah. And I left my house key in my car as well. So like that meant that I wouldn't have been able to go home either. Yeah. They would have tried finding your home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Would have been like, oh, look at this. They're like, oh, house key. Let's try finding it. Time for a visit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What's been going on in your life? Absolutely nothing. I haven't been doing anything with my life. I have been sitting in a home and doing nothing. You've been working. You get to teach kids music. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do that. Um, I teach at a summer school program, um, teach music to third to fifth grade. I love my job, mm-hmm. not the students. Really? They are, sorry, they are awful. Really? And yeah, they're so disrespectful and they don't listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So you can't like control them because they just want to run around and scream and do whatever they want to do. But everybody's getting upset because, you know, we can't do what we're supposed to. We can't teach them what we need to teach them. Right. It, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty interesting. Um, but I love my job. I get paid decently. So oh, that's good. I like it. Um, but on the, other than that, I passed my Ohio assessment for educators. Woo! Passed both of them. So your Such boy is now. smart man that or I just know how to scam the system <laughs> I think the first one he's I think I scammed s- that system <laughs> but he's a certified teacher I'm certified multi-age yeah. music teacher yeah. PK through 12 Ooh. at band choir and orchestra oh you get all three all three so you could literally just be like, screw choir. I could, but I'm not extra. going to. Well, obviously. Yeah. But like, you literally just could. 
Yeah. And honestly, I'm so selfish mm-hmm. that if I will never apply for a band position. <laughs> I don't blame you. Because I, I wouldn't know how to teach it. And like, I would not set those students up for success if I was in a band classroom. I think I could fake it. Mm-hmm. But every music educator would know I'd be faking it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you want me to play a whole scale on a flute? <laughs> I don't even know what a B flat is on the flute. Actually, that's a lie. It's one and one, but. <laughs> that's deep. Yeah. But that's it. Well, it sounds like you're having a fun summer anyway. It's been mentally draining. Mm, I understand Both that exam and dealing with bratty children yeah but that means this whole semester I'll be laying low that's true I've never been under 20 credits before my whole entire college career until this semester oh my god I am barely full-time status (gasps) you're not gonna know what to do with yourself I'm gonna be so bored Yes. I'm at 13 and a half credits. That's it? That's it. Oh my god. Last semester, I was at 22. Is there any like fun classes you thought you could take that you could... That's yeah. majority of my credits. No. <laughs> oh I'm no. in two classes which are required for my major. Uh-huh. And then even that, I was only at eight credits. Oh my God. <laughs> so I had to come up with some stuff. No. Which eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, yeah. So I'm in steel band. Uh-huh. So I get to play the pans, steel pan, orchestra, concert choir, conscious femina. Oh my God which is our women's chorus. Uh-huh. And I'm in. <laughs> oh my gosh, what am I in? Is it a band? No. Is it an orchestra? No, I can't remember. Is it another choir? Did you join the men's chorus? Yeah, but he canceled it. We're not having it next semester for some reason. What? Yeah, tell me about it. Let me go to my class schedule. Do it. Yeah. I am right. on top yeah. of the music classes I'm taking. I'm taking, well, I'm taking, no, I only decided to do one choir this semester and two bands. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm also taking a photography class, which I'm really excited for. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous. You could do that. You like photography too. Yeah, I could, but now I like that 13 and a half so much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do anything else. Oh, what else am I doing? Um, Shoot, I just had it in my... Oh, I'm doing like a theater design class too. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Is it like stage design? Yeah, I think... From what I was reading in the description, it kind of sounds like I would choose a show and then I could design like 
the stage and the costumes and the makeup. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's mostly it. I took a bunch of music for like classes, like music history type classes. They had like a higher level of theory that I was almost tempted to take, but I wasn't sure if my brain could handle theory again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other credits are my lessons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my piano and voice lessons. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah. But I'm so excited to be in this capstone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, what is that? A capstone? Yeah. So our school is like in love with this integrative core program, oh, which yeah. is like, basically you do general education stuff throughout your whole entire education here at the university. Mm-hmm. So like most places you just have to take like a math and like a foreign language and maybe just a few other classes, but a lot of people are done with them by sophomore year. Mm-hmm. They don't give us that option. So we have to complete four classes outside of our major before our end of our sophomore year. Mm-hmm. We also have to do two or a whole year of foreign language. We have to take a math course. And then your junior year, you have to do their column explorations and you have to do a value course, which I did environmental ethics, mm-hmm. which in your philosophy. And you have to do a global study. So mine was world music. It's required for my major. So I was like, oh, I'm glad it covers that. Um, and then your senior year, you have your capstone, which is just your ending, your last integrative core class and it's supposed mm-hmm. to cap everything you have completed so far so this is supposed to be your best work um so mine is called wine don't wine it's a wine making class <laughs> oh my god and on the requirements like one of the prerequisites was you have to be 21 so it's like oh we're drinking you <laughs> <laughs> said don't you worry and it's a music professor who's teaching this class. <gasps> he started this class. He's like, I want to do it. And they allowed him to do it. And I was like, Dr. Miskell, you're oh going to regret God. having me in class. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I need to know if OSU does something like that. Yeah, I'm super excited. That's so fun. Mm. So, so while we're talking about wine, mm-hmm. and it's romantic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our topic for today. Yes, to our topic. The romantic era of music. I was going to hum a song from the romantic period, but just as soon as I was thinking about it, I just totally forgot all of them. Yeah. That's not saying that none of like the romantic songs are very important. Actually, most of the songs people probably besides the classical period know is more likely in the romantic period yeah I really like the romantic period I love the romantic period I think it's one of my favorite musical eras 
Oh, it is my favorite musical. Because it's like full of crazy cuckoo people. Yes. But also, that's when we get to finally add our own personal touch with emotion. Mm-hmm. Emotional expression was not even allowed. No. In previous eras, it was just something nobody did. It was too taboo. Right. Now, in this period, what really sets it apart is that personal emotional influence in their music. And I right. think people, like, I instantly think of Beethoven for this because his music is very emotional, especially at the second mm-hmm. um, period of his life. Mm-hmm. But he is so in between classical and romantic. You can mm-hmm. argue that he's in both. He's both. But that's even yeah. something we said before we started because Colin was like, oh, he's in the romantic period. And I was like, I thought he was in classical. So it really just depends on which part of his life you look at. Yeah. He had like, was it, I think three different yeah. like compositional periods in his life. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to think he's more romantic because if you listen to even his first symphony, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, <laughs> that's right. pretty emotional. Right. And for those of you out there, and not even with emotions, this is when like music started telling stories as well. Because before then you had music for the sake of music. And now you're starting to get into like, oh, this song tells a story. This song is trying to tell the story of this poem. This song is trying to tell the story of a composer that they want to tell which is so weird to think about because like all of our music today is some kind of story. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very interesting because they use, like in the Renaissance era, they had like, um, oh my gosh, I call it musical depiction, but it's, Mm -hmm. um, what is the other word Word for it? Word painting, yeah. Mm -hmm. They use word painting to kind of express the music to what the words are. Mm-hmm. but the romantic period kind of takes that and makes that whole piece right really tell that story cranks it up to a hundred right right mm-hmm. would you like to talk about our first composer yes our first composer the loon that is hector berlioz <laughs> and his most well-known piece is Symphonie Fantastique, which I'm trying to remember the whole story to that. Isn't it like, I'm pretty sure the whole thing is like he takes drugs and then he hallucinates that this actress he has a crush on is actually a witch and he sees her like do this like witchy dance or something with other witches and he like goes crazy and then at the end he gets beheaded basically yeah that's basically the premise that i have um i just wrote like in my notes he wrote this piece after his obsession with this i called her or her name is harriet smith smithson who was a shakespearean actress Mm -hmm. and (laughs) each bullet point the first (laughs) the first movement the protagonist is ready for love (laughs) the second movement sees lady love here oh no third movement they're together and have a relationship relationship is not well untrusting (laughs) the fourth movement 
dreams he tried to kill himself with opium dreams he killed his beloved and is on the on his way to be beheaded and then the finale he died and is in hell tormented by witches and his love yeah yeah but i think it's very interesting there's a bug I think it's very interesting in this piece, he wrote paragraphs before every movement. So everybody oh, yeah. knows exactly what this piece was about. Mm-hmm. But who in the right mind was like, oh, for this movement, he's going to be on opium trying to kill himself. <laughs> Apparently, and he, he kills his love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And something that I have in my notes, I just saw. Mm-hmm. is that he was a sensitive guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just said sensitive personality i can see it yeah which kind of makes which, sense why he wrote that piece about a love right which also for you guys that don't know that symphony features the ds eerie chant which if you don't know what that ds eerie chant is it is used if you guys know The Shining, it is used right in the beginning of The Shining, the intro music. I'm not gonna hum it here because I don't feel like it. Yeah, it's just like that trademark song for death. Mm-hmm. Usually mm-hmm. like when a musician hears it, they're like, oh, DSRA. Death. Yeah. I actually watched a video, this is kind of off, t- off topic. I watched a video about how much the DSRA chant melody is used in Sweeney Todd. Like, really? right, yeah, like I'll have to play it for you when we finish, but like, um, it's like there's a lot of places where it's like used in like patterns or used like reversed or upside down or backwards. It's really cool. Oh, wow. But anyway, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Talking about your favorite part of the symphony. <laughs> what your favorite part of the symphony at the end oh oh, okay okay so in the fourth movement so like this symphony fantastique has five movements Mm -hmm. in the fourth where he dreams of like he's on opium and he kills his like lover and he is sentenced to death it's called um the march to the scaffold and so in this movement you can actually hear like in the music, you can imagine somebody marching to the scaffold. You can hear the crowd cheering him about like being killed because mm-hmm. everybody was having a hard on for people dying in public for some reason back in the day. Yes. And at the very end, <laughs> all you hear, like you hear this loud dramatic chord mm-hmm. and then it's nothing. And then you hear the bass, the double bass called boom, boom. And that's supposed to represent the head bouncing after that <laughs> cut off. Down the stairs. Down the stairs. And I was like, that's my favorite movement. <laughs> oh, he was on something when he wrote that. He had to have been. And it's weird because a lot of composers in this era, they, they were going through stuff. Oh my god, yes. Talking about like mental illness and a lot of 
I guess, mental cases that we are more comfortable now talking about mm-hmm. just more, more recently than ever. Back in the day, these people were experiencing these issues, mm-hmm. but that was so taboo. You don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Yeah, like you were just talking about Schumann before we started. Yeah, um, let me get to it. <laughs> You're good. So basically, the premise of that is that, oh my gosh, now I can't remember if I said Schumann or Schubert. <laughs> or Schubert. Schubert. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite act of pain. It was Schumann. Was it Schumann? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Schumann, he had um, people believed to be um, multiple personality disorder and DID. DID, yeah. And um, something else too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyway, he struggled with that a lot. And oh, there it is. Um, He also identified with alter egos. So what that means is like, if anybody has watched Split, like, so like he could be one person at one minute and then all of a sudden a whole different identity comes out. Mm-hmm. And he's a whole different person. So he identified with alter ego, but eventually it became so hard on him. He didn't want it to affect like his family or the people he interacted with on a daily basis. And he committed, he committed suicide or co- like attempted to commit suicide mm-hmm. in 1855, but failed. He jumped off a bridge. And after that, people rescued him. And then he committed himself to an institute where he died in 1856, a year after he tried committing suicide. That's so crazy. And the people like um, declared him like mentally ill and insane because he had the like the DID and the alter egos. Mm-hmm. And it was so criminalized at the time. Exactly. Yeah. But what I'm oh, my <laughs> my ear pod just flew out of my ear. <laughs> But what an amazing composer. Mm-hmm. I wish we had learned more about Schumann. We didn't learn very much about him. And like we didn't, I had never learned that he was like mentally ill. Oh, something about like the alter egos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very important in his music because he was able to actually identify his alter egos and write music in those egos. That's so interesting. And if you look up like Nua Zeitschrift für Music, mm-hmm. um, he had various characters discussing music and their own personality. Interesting. And so like you had Floriston who was like fiery, passionate, impulsive. Mm-hmm. And you had Eusebius who was a dreamy character. And you had Raro, who, who was a wise old man. And I will, I'll actually send you this. That's so, so you can kind of listen to it. And okay. you can hear the different characters in this music. Oh, it is I so crazy. That. It I is so crazy. That. Speaking of like different characters, I'm going to move away from Schumann. Earl Koenig by Schubert. Uh, yeah, I 
love that piece. Earl Karnick is um, about a father and a boy riding off on a horse into the woods to get home at night. But the boy sees... The Earl Karnick is, like, literally translated as the Elf King, but it's also believed that he could be seeing, like, the personification of death. Mm-hmm. And so the boy keeps seeing death, and he's like, Dad, Dad, like, I keep seeing this thing. I'm seeing something in the woods. And the dad's like, no, you're fine. You're just imagining it. It's just, like, the light playing tricks on you. It's the wind playing tricks on you. And the kid's like, no, I see it. I see it. And by the time they get to the house, the kid is so, like, scared and freaked out that he dies from, like, fear. Yeah. And, like, there's this wonderful, I don't know if you saw this. There's the wonder, oh, geez, I keep, am I drunk? (laughs) Okay. There's this wonderful um, animation of that story. Oh, and it's got, like, the kind of, like, shadow. It looks like a shadow. Yes. Yeah, and then there's also there's also a different animation, and it's more creepy. <gasps> and we oh, saw this in that. my choir methods course because we were talking about how we can implement Earl Kernish mm-hmm. in um, our classrooms. And our teacher showed us this one animation, and it was so different because I love the shadow puppets, mm-hmm. but this one put a whole different twist to it. And it was so cool because it was somebody's graduate um, pro or like graduate programs oh, project. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's like, they just did this whole animation of it and that was their final project. That's iconic. Yeah. It was so cool. I also brought that up because um, an opera singer, I think I've talked about this to you before, an opera singer named Jesse Norman sang the song there's a video of her singing it on youtube and she does different voices for each character and you can hear the differences in each voice and it's so good the voice technique is so good (laughs) the thing is is like if you're going to be singing that piece you have to do that right because you're singing all those different characters Mm mm-hmm and yeah. the piano is the horse. And the piano part is iconic. The piano part is so difficult for those of you who don't know this piece that piano players refuse to play this song for singers. And as a singer, you can't really sing it until you're really mature. My teacher, I brought it to my teacher wanting to do it and she told me I couldn't do it until I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no! Wow. I would love to sing that piece. I think that'd be so much fun. So good. Anything of Schubert is really just kind of iconic. Yeah. Schubert's another romantic composer. I'm probably yeah, Schu- connects together. Yeah. Schubert um also did his like Vinterreise. Um I, I think you should. It's 24 poems by M- uh, M- Mueller. Mm-hmm. And- <gasps> It's all centered around oh. this idea of love and reminiscing during a harsh winter. Isn't that, um, one of them is Lied der Mignon, isn't it? Am I right? Am yeah, I and like Der Lindenbaum. Okay. Um, yes. I actually sang a piece. I sang Lied der Mignon. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I, what did I sing from it? Oh my gosh, I can't even remember. 
whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's supposed to like a song for every month. Oh, cool. Yeah. Stupid bug. <laughs> oh, you're distracting. I think I got it. Okay. Okay, good. Um, somebody I think who is iconic mm -hmm. in this era, just talking piano music. Uh huh. I think a lot of people love Chopin. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. So Chopin, he's very, um, like he's the definition of a romantic pianist composer. Uh, yes. And I don't know how to really describe his music, but it's so full of emotion and heart mm -hmm. that I think if you just play a single piece of music, somebody would be like, oh, that's Chopin. Right, it's like literally so iconic. Yeah, and the thing is Chopin, people are like, they don't know if the piano, the new version that we have today was created because Chopin, like his technique was so advanced they had to reconstruct the piano. Oh my God. Or the piano was reconstructed and Chopin really could use it to do what he really wanted. That's iconic. So I was like, no, it's because you're so iconic that to redo it. Right. <laughs> Duh, that's the only answer. But he was so well, like he knew the piano so well that mm -hmm. you'd hear in a lot of his music, he is actually playing the harmonic series. Because he found out that when you play the harmonic series, the piano vibrates. Interesting. Yeah. So even if you listen to his, um, oh gosh, his piano sonata in E minor or something like that, mm -hmm. it's one of his famous piano concertos. Or mm -hmm. maybe, yeah, it's a piano concerto. There's this one section that it kind of like changes keys all of a sudden and the whole piano just comes to life. Ugh. And it's so crazy. I don't know how a man can know an instrument so well <laughs> that, he, just that, that. He, he can just do stuff like that. Right. How did he find out that just using the harmonic series, the whole piano will vibrate? Right. Like, uh, crazy. And his music is difficult. It's oh yeah, um, deceivingly difficult. I know I, I like yeah. hear a song and I'm like, oh, I'll just sit down and play that. And I look at the music and I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. And I sit down to play it. I give up in five minutes. <laughs> I give up looking at the first measure. <laughs> I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's as soon as I hit a run, which he loves to include <laughs> runs in his pieces. And I'm like, oh, I can't play fast things. That's it. The piano concerto number one in E minor. Oh, that's what you were talking about? Yep. Got it. Yeah, that one's crazy. And it's funny because like there are piano concertos, so you'll need an orchestra to play behind it. Oh, yeah. But they're so piano centric. The orchestra is literally going done, <laughs> done. <laughs> like that's the orchestra. They're bored. Yeah. They like they say Chopin's concertos are so boring for an orchestra because they're just piano centered. No, yeah. terrible. We're supposed to be playing that concerto this year in the orchestra. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, so you know I'm gonna be bored. So good, right? 
Ooh, I guess what else we can talk about? What? It's opera time. <laughs> Tell us about opera. So the Romantic period is where opera really, really took off. You started getting these new styles of opera, like opera buffa, which is Italian for like a, a comical opera. So you get your new composers like Rossini with the Barber of Seville, Verdi with La Traviata, and many more. And you have Bizet with Carmen. You get this like mix of operas that while there's the opera buffa and things that are comical, there are also really tragic operas like La Traviata <laughs> and Carmen. And my brain is trying to avoid moving into my my favorite composer ever is Puccini and I get really excited to talk about Puccini but he's not the only <laughs> romantic era composer and I tend to forget that because I love Puccini so much he might as well have been right <laughs> he's the only one that's worth it that's a lot. right oh my god Puccini what all did he write? Now that I'm forgetting. La Boheme. La Boheme. Oh my gosh. La Boheme, which is the where Rent came from. Yep. It's literally the exact same plot. Um, what else? Now that I'm forgetting everything. Oh God me saying oh I love Puccini and then I'm like let me name his operas for gifts <laughs> La Funicula um, del West was an opera I don't know if you know about this that's an opera he wrote meaning for it to be an Italian opera but it came out as more American really because it's set in the American West oh wow yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so everyone was like, oh, you wrote an American opera. And he's like, no. He's I like, absolutely not. Italian opera. <laughs> he's yeah. like, never offend me like that ever again. <laughs> exactly. I literally cannot was... find this composer in my notes. Who are you looking for? Who are we talking about? Puccini. <laughs> yeah <laughs> me going on puccini rant <laughs> oh i found it i found it i was like i literally cannot find puccini in my notes at all i just oh skipped God. over it oh how could i forget what did i forget about this one madam butterfly oh <gasps> amen oh my god it's so good and so sad Oh my word. I want to like tell the plot, but I also don't want to give away the ending. Right. But I mean, like, I feel like no one else watches it. Nobody's going to watch it, so. <laughs> right. Basically, I'm going to tell the plot. Sorry, spoiler, spoiler alert. If you, for some reason, were planning to watch the opera, I don't know, click off. I'm sorry. So. Uh, I'm not going to say her name right, but Butterfly is married to an American soldier because American soldiers during this time, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's during a war, or I think it's actually might be during peacetime. He's stationed in Japan, and so as per his like agreement to be in Japan, he gets a house, and with the house that he rents, he also gets like a wife, which is Butterfly, and Butterfly loves him to death, changes her whole religion, denies her family to love this American soldier. The American soldier gets. Um, stationed somewhere else or is called to go fight actually fight which leaves butterfly at home alone with her son that she is raised from the american soldier and she's waiting for him to come back like dying for him to come back and he finally comes back but he now has like an american wife because that's really all he wanted all along was an american wife and so when she finds out that the only reason he's there is to take their child and go back to America with his American wife, she kills herself. I mean, me too. <laughs> I would. He's not giving me attention. Time to but die. like, honestly, if that were to ever happen to me, I'd be so heartbroken. Oh, no, same. Yeah. What I love, though, about the, I mean, I guess it's written into the actual, like, score and stuff. What I kind of love, like, a plot point is that, like, she's not mad at the American wife at all. She's like, hey, like, I get it. You're just trying to be a mother. You were brought into this situation unaware. And she doesn't get mad at her. And I'm like, oh, the respect yeah, because if you think about it, it's not the wife's fault. Mm-hmm. Not at all. It's a cheating husband. Cheating husband. Dummy. Dummy. Do you know when we started? No. <laughs> I think that I think that's a good stopping point, though. You think it's a, okay? I was gonna say, have we run long? <laughs> I think we have. We just talk okay. all the time. Yeah. It's okay. But with that being said, you have listened to this romantic era. Yes. I know you love it just as much as we do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, go to school. <laughs> Listen to more romantic era music and you'll be <laughs> with it eventually. But if you have any suggestions, let us know. If you have any stories, let, let us, us know. Feedback. Let, Let us know. know. If you were born in the romantic period, please <laughs> let us know. <laughs> and also get me that anti-aging. Yeah, give me that anti-aging <laughs> cream. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. All right. Well, until, until next time. Until next time. Bye. Adios.